Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Helen. And I'm Sarah. And this is the Squiggly Careers Podcast, a weekly podcast where we dive into the ins, outs, ups and downs of careers and give you some ideas for action, some tools to take away. We basically just try to help people have a little bit more confidence and control over their career development. And today we're talking about the five skills to succeed in a squiggly career. We're so proud that we've now got to the point where we've sold 50,000 copies of The Squiggly Career, which when I think back to writing that book, if somebody had told me that many people were going to read it, I think I would have got, uh, you know, writer's block and probably would have never finished it. But we're really grateful to everybody who has spent time with either The Squiggly Career, perhaps you've tried out our new video book, or you've just been listening to the podcast for three, four years now. And everything that we try to do, we really want it to be useful. Useful is our number one value at Amazing If. So our books are designed to be scribbled in. The video book has got worksheets to download as you watch. Our podcasts have always got the one-page pod sheet summaries and the pod notes and pod plus. And so we really want to make sure that you have got ideas for action that are really useful today, tomorrow, next week, and that you can keep coming back to and keep using. So that's why we thought we've actually never done an episode on the five skills to succeed in a squiggly career, which was sort of the starting point actually for our workshops back in 2013. So we've been testing these ideas for a long time. And so what we've tried to do today is bring together, it's almost sort of the best of what we know has worked with all of our learners. And I think if you've got the book, it's a good recap. And if you're maybe thinking about it, it's just a good insight into what more is there within the pages. And so really quick recap of the skills to succeed in a squiggly career. There are five. The first one is strengths, then values, confidence, network and possibilities. And we're going to go through exactly what those skills are and why we think they are so relevant to you and your career development in a moment. But the thing to really note is The reason we've picked those five is because they are skills we can all learn and they're skills that I think they underpin your squiggly career success. Whatever success means to you, these things are really fundamental to you being able to go and get it. It's not like, I always say to people, it's not the only things you need to know. (laughs) There are are other skills like empathy and curiosity. There are some really important skills in addition to these. But we think that these are the ones that are most universally useful. So it doesn't really matter, you know, where you work or how long you've been working. These are ones that I think are important to spend some time with and also to keep coming back to the skills that we're talking about today it's all about your awareness your awareness of your values your awareness of the community you're building around your career but it's also about action it's not just about you know lots of reflection it's about doing something different as a result of spending time on these skills so we want to inspire you to spend time with them we want to inspire you to take action and we would love you to keep coming back to them I think Sarah and I always feel quite fortunate because we keep talking to people about these skills we are always coming back to them ourselves I'm always thinking about oh, how do my values show up this week or how am I making sure if that's a strength I want to be known for it's something that I'm spending time on so I think we sort of have it sort of built into our working weeks but I think other people you can get this built into your working week if you give it a little bit a little bit of attention you put it towards the top of your to-do list 
Though what we don't expect is you to be spending time on all of these five skills simultaneously um, <laughs> because that would be that would be unrealistic. So I do think it's quite useful to start by thinking, almost prioritising these five skills around how relevant are they for me right now. And we're just going to go through each of these five and say when we think they are often most useful. So a bit of a useful when statement. And so as you listen to each of these, perhaps just be thinking, oh, yeah, actually... That feels really helpful for me at the moment. Oh, I've actually done some work on that recently, so I can come back to that in six months' time. Well, that just doesn't feel like a helpful place for me to start at the moment. So strengths. Strengths are useful when you want to identify what you want to be known for and when you want to make your strengths stronger. Values are useful when you want to increase your sense of satisfaction and fulfilment from the work that you do. Confidence is useful when you want to make the most of opportunities and overcome obstacles, what we often call the knotty moments. Networking, useful when you want to learn from other people and make sure you've got the right people around you to accelerate your progression. Possibilities, useful when you want to be curious about where your career could take you and explore new directions for your development. So, Sarah, which squiggly skill feels most relevant for you right now? Do you know what? As I was writing these useful when statements, I did actually ask myself that question. So at least I'm (laughs) practicing what I preach some of the time. Networking for me, Mm. for both of the reasons, actually, both in terms of who I'm learning from and the thinking about my progression, the, the kind of the areas that I want to develop in. I sort of feel like it's been stronger in the past than it is today. And I've seen how helpful it has been for me in propelling my squiggly career and I don't necessarily feel like I've I've sort of invested it in quite the same the same way as um I have done previously so that's it's definitely top of my list what about you combination of I'm allowed to network so you two but some different reasons actually to you mine's more about thinking where we want to grow the business and making sure I'm learning and connected to the right people to enable that because I think some of the places we're taking the business to aren't naturally the people that I spend time with today so kind of doing that a bit more consciously and then strengths I think just making sure one of the things that I want to be known for as a strength is career development and I think I sort of do a lot of that every day which is which is good I think that's probably what I'm associated with however I think there are some other things about sort of making things happen being a kind of an accelerator and a catalyst that I think oh what else could I do to make that strength stand out it's probably seen within our team but what could I do outside of it so that I build my brand around it I have not got the answers to that but that's why those two skills are priority for me at the moment. So for each of the five skills, we're going to cover briefly the what and the why. So just that we're really clear what we're talking about and why it matters, the why should I care. Always important to not miss the why because we know that our brains are much more motivated by whys than what's. What's help us to understand and have shared understanding, but it's the whys that are going to make you think, oh, this is important for me to spend some time on. And then as you'd expect from us, we're going to then talk about the how. And what we're going to share today is just one, I think at times we might have sneaked into, (laughs) hero ideas for action. This is the idea where we look at everything that we've done, all of the workshops, all of the books, everyone we've sort of spoken to, all the learning that we've done. And we've thought, which is the idea that we've had the most positive response to? So when we say to learners, what's the action you're going to do after today? Or when people write to us and say, oh, I did this thing. So I found it very hard when we were doing this to then not put the four or five other things that I know can be helpful. But for this, we're going to try and keep it very specific to sort of one idea for action. So almost if you only do one thing, we're very confident this is a good place to start. And then we will make sure that, of course, let's say you're like Helen and you want to dive a bit deeper into your strengths, we'll make sure that we link to the relevant podcast episode so that you can dive a bit deeper. For example, on strengths, we did an episode on how to make your strengths stand out and show up. So that would be a really good place to go after this podcast. So we'll sort of do a bit of a twinning exercise, which is the twin episode for each of the five skills. So let's start with skill number one, which is about you and your strengths. And the easiest way of understanding what strengths are is to think about energy. Strengths are all about you and your energy at work. And so think about strengths as the things that give you energy, so the work that you do that gives you energy, 
even if you're not great at it yet. So our starting point for strengths when we're talking about it in a squiggly career is not how good you are at some things. We're trying to get away from capability being the definition. And it's more about how much it energizes you. Now, the mirror to this is weaknesses. So if strengths are the things that give you energy, even if you're not great at them yet, then a weakness is anything you do that takes your energy away even if you are good at it. And I think that is a very different way of thinking about strengths and weaknesses because normally it's like, well, if you're good at it, of course it's a strength. But actually, if you reflect on your own career, I bet there are some things that you are probably quite good at, maybe because it's a natural talent or you spend a lot of time doing that particular thing at work that you might not love doing. And you do not want to be defined by something that you can do that you find draining to do. Because all that happens is you get associated with that thing and people find you opportunities to do it more. And you'll find yourself quite stuck and frustrated in a job where you're doing quite a lot of stuff that doesn't give you energy. And we do need energy in our squiggly careers. So let's just think that our strengths are the things that give us energy regardless of how good we are at those things yet and if you can make those things stand out so you take those strengths that give you energy and they stand out and sort of speak for you people associate you with those things then the why the benefit for you is you basically you get to do more of the good stuff whatever that good stuff is for you you're you're building a reputation around what you want to be known for people associate you with that they spot ways for you to use it more and it becomes self-fulfilling in your squiggly career that these things that give you energy are the things you're known for and you get to do them more i think it's like it's the squiggly dream (laughs) and (laughs) the good thing is is totally totally possible to do I have done this I really I like sort of made a decision that I wanted to be known for career development because in all the corporate jobs I was doing it was the thing that gave me energy the most it didn't matter you know whether I was working at Virgin or Microsoft the thing that I loved was basically managing developing people and then I made a decision to be known for that and I worked really hard to make that stand out and then it has become a massive part of my brand so I get to do it more so This is totally possible and totally in your control. It just has to be the skill that you want to focus on first, I would say. And the other distinction that I often overlay on on top of energy that I found quite useful in my own career is that I fell into the trap of trying to be all things to all people. So Mm -hmm. you know know that um, my starting point was you know, if I saw somebody else be good at something, I think I have to be as good as they are at that thing. And so I I sort of almost put equal effort across way too many things. And then you end up being good if you work really hard, maybe very good. But I don't think you end up being great. And so the difference for me sometimes is recognising that, of course, you will all have so many strengths and we're all in jobs where you need to be adaptable and flexible. And you'll use loads of those things. Some of them will give you more energy than others. But we often use this phrase super strengths because I do think you probably only end up being known for two or three things in terms of what people remember about you, what really makes you stand out. And I think it's having that clarity is like, if people only say two things about me or three things about me, what do I want those things to be? And how do I make those things happen? So as Helen describes, I can pull more opportunities to do more of that sort of thing towards me. And exactly the same as Helen, I my sort of aha moment was that sort of moving away from thinking, oh, how do I be brilliant at everything and actually then I ended up being brilliant at nothing to actually being much more confident in the two or three things that were my super strengths and then really over investing in those and it really propelled my career it's where I I got way more promotions I got loads more opportunities I just enjoyed the work I found Mm. so much so much more flow so how then, how do you get to this revelation that Helen <laughs> yeah. and I got to? So the, the first thing that we'd recommend as an idea for action is to do an energy audit. So you have to start with what gives you energy and your diary has all the data that you need. So at the end of every day, just reflect on what gave me the most energy today. So think about the conversations you've been in, the meetings you attended, the presentations you were doing, whatever your day looks like. Just think what gave me the most energy today. And then the second thing is to think about and what strength was I using in that situation? And so you just write that down. It would take you like two minutes maximum at the end of the day. And then at the end of the week, you'll start to see kind of the list of the strengths that you've been using in your highest energy moments. And that creates a sort of a a decision point for you to think about, to Sarah's point on super strengths, but of all these strengths I've written down that give me energy, which two 
or three, probably max, I would say three, do I really want to be known for? Because that is your choice to decide what you want to be known for. And if you don't make the choice about what you want to be known for, you're sort of leaving that stuff to chance and your career is too important for that. So I would also recommend doing this maybe for a couple of weeks. Obviously, the more weeks that you do this for, the more data for your development you're going to have. But ultimately, it's about what are my highest energy moments? What strength was I using in that situation? Look at your slightly longer list of strengths that you then got and then think, and what do I want to be known for? So that will give you the awareness part of this action. That will help you to think about, well, these are the things that I want to be known for. Then part two is mm-hmm. we need to make sure those things that you want to be known for are the things that are standing out. This is where we've squeezed an extra an extra idea for action in. So make the decision about what you want to be known for. And then what we want to do is stretch those strengths. So let's say you decided you want to be known for problem solving. You're like, I love problem solving. Makes me feel really good. That's what I want to be known for in, in my work. You really want to think about how can I make sure that that strength is seen and used as much as possible in and outside of my organization because your brand goes beyond just the company that you're in today. So think about the job that you're in. Could you stretch it a bit more there? That might even just be in a single meeting. It's quite a small stretch. But then think about maybe the department that you're in. If you're in a large organization, might be kind of different departments. Could you put yourself forward to do some problem solving on a project that isn't part of your day job, for example? Then think about the organization more broadly. Are there some like cross-functional initiatives or events or something like that you can get involved in? That's getting further away from the day-to-day. So it means different people are seeing your strengths and you're using them in different places. And then think outside of the organization. So another stretch there, uh, volunteering, communities, even side projects, all these things help you to make your strengths sort of bigger and better and that's what we want them to do the the bigger and better they become the more part of your brand they'll be so second skill is values what are values and I actually think for values this is one where the what is worth spending a bit of time on because I think the word values can sometimes feel abstract maybe a bit fluffy as a word I don't think it's for everyone but the principles behind values I think are universally useful Because values are what motivates and drives you. They're what's most important to you. So you don't have to use the word values or perhaps if you are sharing this with your team or some people who you think might be a bit cynical and sceptical about this stuff, talk about motivators or drivers or just what's most important to you. And so why are values important? In our squiggly careers, they are full of choices and challenge. And neither of those things are going anywhere. Those characteristics are inevitable and will always be true. When you start exploring your values, I think it gives you a really good filter for your own decision making. I think you make better decisions, essentially. And it helps as well to stop you being distracted by shoulds and shiny objects. So this is what I think I should do because other people expect it of me or someone's told me it would be a great opportunity. And shiny objects might be a brand that you know, looks very swanky or a job title that sounds really brilliant on paper. And I think the thing to remember with values is they are something you do need to keep coming back to. You don't get a quick answer on your values. And actually, if you do, you've probably not given it enough thought. And I have definitely done values exercises and treated them too much like a tick box exercise being like, oh, well, I'll go through this process and it will spit out an answer and then brilliant it will equal my values. But even though you need to keep coming back to them and explore them from a few different angles, you definitely can get some quick clues as to what your values might be with the ideas for action that we're going to talk about today, and particularly the new values tool that we're going going to mention in a moment. So of all the five areas, it's probably the one where almost every six months or so, you would benefit from having some sort of reminder to go, I'm just going to spend half an hour and perhaps do a different idea for action on my values if this feels like the one that's relevant for you right now. And my light bulb moment with values was when I thought about the distinction between values and validation. So I think ladder-like careers are full of validation, you know, like levels, job titles, um, grades, all that good stuff that companies give us to keep us motivated. But it might actually not be that meaningful for you. So you can spend a lot of your career accumulating like shiny objects, like the things I just mentioned, that 
kind of validate you and your success. But the problem is, if those things aren't connected to you and your values, the things that really motivate and drive you, they're not really that meaningful beyond the moment that you get them. And I think I spent quite a lot of my career seeking validation you know the status the significance the the shiny objects and then actually not feeling that satisfied by it and when I really started to learn about my values I was like oh that stuff really isn't about a job title you know one of my values is freedom for example one of my values is growth and when I unhooked myself from the shiny object validation stuff that you get on ladder like careers and really started to look into my values it was so much better for me. I saw so many more ways that I could find fulfillment and I could just do it more confidently. I'm like, well, this is what makes me me. I don't have to apologize for it. I just have to go be more me. And mm. and it, it's just, it's so, it's just like, like the blinkers come off what your career can be when you understand what motivates and drives you, what makes you you. And so how can you get started on values if you're, maybe you've done this before and it's never quite clicked for you, or maybe you just need some quick clues to get started. So we call this idea for action, high, low learning. And this is an exercise you can definitely do by yourself. But if you do have a work best friend, someone you trust, uh, perhaps they're not necessarily at work, maybe they're just in your network, maybe they're somebody you've worked with previously. This is quite a nice exercise to do with someone else because it makes it a little bit easier and also you've got somebody who sort of shines a mirror back to you a bit in terms of what they've heard from you so the way that you do the high low learning exercise and it's very does what it says on the tin is you pick a high from your career so far and then you also pick a low and if you are doing this with someone else you're just going to share what was happening in that high what were you working on who are you working with like what did a day in the life look like for you? So just bring to life that high for the other person so they really get a feel for what was happening. And then spend some time on the low. We do tend to have better memories on the low, so just make sure you spend (laughs) enough time on the high as well as then thinking, well, when you had a low moment in your career, you know, well, what was getting in the way? What was missing? Why did it feel hard? And just sort of bring it to life for the other person. The person then listening, their job is just to like really focus on what you're saying, be 100% present, and maybe they're jotting down for you some of the words that they hear repeatedly. Because we've done this exercise so many different times and we've done a sort of more extended version of this exercise. And you sometimes, you just don't realise the words that you're saying. So if Helen was doing this uh, for me now, we would all hear her say some version of the word freedom. You know, I really liked it because I could make my own decisions. Oh, that's because she got lots of freedom. Or I felt really free to be accountable for the work that I was doing. Oh, okay, that's freedom. So we often, it sort of reveals our values through our stories, through kind of sharing some simple stories about a time where things have gone well and a time where things have, you know, have probably been a bit of a struggle. You're probably in one of those knotty moments in your squiggly career. And the more you look at what your highs have in common and what you can learn from your lows, the more I think you start to understand those motivators and drivers, those values. Because when you are on a high, your values are very present. They're sort of part of your day to day. They're part of the work that you do. Even though we don't have work values and personal values here, when we look at this through the lens of our work, we would expect those values to sort of show up in the work that we're doing. So one of my values, for example, is ideas. If I'm having a really high moment in my career, I would have lots of space to be creating in the job that I'm doing, lots of space to create new ideas, to do things differently. And when we're having those lows, those knotty moments, it usually means those values are either just not there, so they're missing. So let's say I'm in a job where I don't get to create anything new maybe it's more about building on what's already been done before Uh, so it could be as simple as that it might not be a bad job I might actually like the people I work with it's just I just don't get the opportunity to sort of use that ideas value or there might be a real tension with a value which does create a real knotty moment so let's say um you know I, I do I love ideas and then maybe I'm working in a place or in a culture that really doesn't value ideas for whatever reason, or maybe that's really not what's needed in that moment, that then feels really hard because you're sort of bringing your values and then there's maybe a real contrast or conflict in some way with that thing that's very important to you. 
I always think as well, once you talk about this with other people, and you know, it has to be sort of the right people that you can have this conversation with, because let's say we were going through a period of organizational difficulty. And actually, do you know what? It's not the right time to launch new products and services. So, you know, if we previously had thought about that's what your ideas value gave you you know you were the person it worked in the innovation team and I go hold innovation we're hunkering down in theory you'd be like oh god this is awful because that that thing that makes me me is not possible for me to do but once you know that ideas are so important to you you can sometimes do a bit of a reframe and go okay well I can't use that in the same way but maybe I can take this need I have to you know, come up with ideas and use it in a slightly different context, you know, to help us think about what ideas have I got of how people can stay motivated during this period of change. So it just helps you to really think, I think, a bit more deeply about what you need in your work and outside of it and how that need gets fulfilled so that you just feel a bit more in control of your happiness at work. And if you go on amazingif.com under our free careers toolkit, We've got a new tool that's all about exploring your values. And in that tool, it's got five different exercises all about your values. And one of them is high-low learning. So you'll be able to visually see that. And we've basically put all of the exercises we've ever done that have worked really well about values all into that um, kind of one place now for free. If values is where you want to spend some time, you want to increase your motivation, you want to find more fulfillment, I'd really recommend spending some time with that, doing some of those exercises. Like we said, you don't have to do them all at once, but hopefully they'll help you make some progress in terms of understanding and applying your values to the work that you do. And if you're a manager, we've also done a podcast episode on how you can talk about your values and teams. So you can you know, make this something that really starts to stick. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So squiggly skill number three is all about confidence. I always think this is like, for me, it's like an anchor in the skills because if we haven't got confidence, it's really hard to take action. So all of these skills are about awareness and then action. And confidence is often the enabler, I think, of action. So what what does it mean when we're talking about confidence? It means that you have got belief in yourself and that you also have other people believing in you too. It's like two sides of the confidence coin. It's really important that you know that people believe in you, that people want you to do well, that they are supporting you and sort of willing you to succeed. That's really important for your confidence because if it's if it's just you believing in you, I sometimes think that can be a bit shaky. Like if I'm thinking, oh, I think I can do it. I think I can do it. Mm-hmm. And Sarah's like, no, I don't think can. Then suddenly then a little that doubt starts to creep in, the gremlins start to grow maybe Sarah's right so it is important that you do have people that believe in you as well as you believing in yourself too and the reason why is if you've got this strong sense of self-belief you can you can be braver you can say yes to things that might feel a bit scary you can have what might seem like difficult conversations about your career if you're going to let go of the ladder it's likely that you're going to do something different with your development than other people have done and that's likely to lead to some conversations that other people might not be expecting or might not have had before and that will create options and opportunities for you but it doesn't always feel easy but your confidence is the enabler to those career conversations 
emotions. That is why it is so important. If you if you build your self belief, you will be braver. You will have a more individual career, and that's that's what we want for everybody to succeed in squiggly careers. And do you know what? I read an example of someone describing this in a just kind of spot on way yesterday on LinkedIn where she was saying I think it was six years ago she made you know what was the bravest decision in her career which was basically to leave behind the ladder but also a job and a career that she was really enjoying so it wasn't that she was hating something but that she just felt that she could find more fulfillment from trying out something different and so she sort of moved into this like new industry she sort of squiggled somewhere different taking lots of transferable talents with her and she was sort of reflecting six years on about how brilliant it had been all the different squiggles that she'd been able to make in this organization and then this new role that she got that she was really excited about and so she almost exactly made that connection between Sometimes as you start to squiggle, you do need to take a deep breath and it does require a lot of bravery. But she had very clearly sort of done that based on her self-belief. And it doesn't mean that it's all going to be plain sailing because we know there's no such thing as a straight line to success in squiggly careers. The other thing I would say around confidence is we don't want the inevitable knotty moments to mean knockbacks. So, you know, there will be times where things outside of your control make things challenging in your squiggly career restructures, redundancies, changes of boss, general change is a long list. It's not a hard one to come up with. And I think those moments have a real tendency to, of course, they're going to impact our confidence in that moment. But we want that ability to sort of continue to make positive progress, to sort of have that underlying self-belief that I think is so important. And it always makes me sad when people will describe certain moments in their career where those things have happened and actually maybe it's taken them a long time Mm. to rediscover that confidence and we don't sort of want to suddenly lose all of our self-belief when some of those things outside of our control do come our way. Yeah I totally agree like we all have tough times but the confidence is almost the the ability to sort of contain it and not let your self be defined by that difficult period. Mm. I, I say that thinking of some myself and, yeah. and making sure you know making sure there's not a hangover at the hard times um, I think confidence stop can stop yes. that. Yeah. So the idea for action here is to reflect on your very small successes. So I always think about this, that self-belief is often built below the surface. So it is not you know, smiling a lot in meetings and it's not sort of sitting up straight. It's not that kind of stuff. Actual self-belief is is what's within you. It's how you feel about your work. Like, do you think you could do a good job? It's how you feel about your worth. Do you believe that you deserve to do well? And the reason successes are important is because people who have a strong level of self-belief, they can see their successes. They do not ignore mistakes they've made or areas for improvement but they have perspective they can see the work that they are doing well whereas what you often see with people who've got low levels of self-belief is the doubts drown out their development and their mistakes get sort of magnified in their mind that's the stuff that they remember when it feels particularly tough they can't see their way through to the work they do well and it is a relatively simple habit to build to start to reflect more regularly on your very small successes. It is as simple as at the end of a day, just taking a moment to press pause and write down what three things have I done well today. And what's important is that when you're thinking about your successes, it doesn't have to be like supersized. So it doesn't have to be, well, today I got promoted because guess what? That doesn't happen every day. It can be today I got through my inbox. I mean, I never do that. So that wouldn't go on my list, but <laughs> it can be like today I, I did an action that I've been putting off for the last two weeks. Like that might, that might go on my very small successes list. It's small. It might be, I went for a walk at lunch and I got some fresh air and I felt a bit clearer for my afternoon meetings. Or it could be, this would be one of mine. I stood up for a whole meeting. Like I've got a standing desk. The amount of time I actually stand up at my desk is very rare. <laughs> so actually doing that and remembering to do it, I would count as a small success. It's just you taking a moment to think, what have I done well? What has my positive contribution been today? And the way Sarah and I sort of, I guess, get more out of this particular exercise is what we call the three R's. So number one, remember to do this. Set yourself a period you're going to do it, like say two weeks, and set yourself some kind of reminder in your diary or whatever works for you, but don't forget to do it. Habits are hard to build, so make it easier by putting reminders somewhere that's going to work for you. 
Second, record these very small successes somewhere on your phone, on a notepad, whatever, just put them down. That means it's a bit stickier in your brain. And it also enables the third R, which is reflect. Because once you've put these down on paper or wherever they are, you've got something to look back on. And that has two benefits for you. One, those very small successes start to seem quite a lot more significant because you've got a much longer list of them and you'll appreciate much more of the work that you're doing well. The work we often miss because we're doing so much stuff, we don't stop to see our successes. So that's one benefit. The second, and this is something that I've realised more recently, actually, when I've done this, is you really start to realise what success means to you because the things that you write down are what, you think is important and what you think you know you want to be recognized and what you want to sort of see as success and so you can look at that list and it might be oh success is that I have work-life balance success is that I help other people to succeed like whatever it is but when we're designing our squiggly careers it is really important that you understand what does success mean to you it really helps us to unhook from that ladder-like view of success just equals seniority and get to a more individual definition so there is a lot of benefit Benefits, both in terms of your self-belief of doing this exercise but and also in terms of your definition of success too and I think you can do this in a few different ways if you are somebody who loves to build habits maybe you're someone who would journal you could do very small successes at the end of every day it literally takes a minute and actually the more you do it I think the faster you do it because you start to recognize the sort of small wins along the way or if you're like me and I'm never going to commit to doing the same thing every day because variety is one of my values I come back to this exercise every time I'm not feeling great. So if it is a Mm. tough day or a tough project or a tough month, I always come back to this and sort of almost reinstall it in my day. And sometimes, like honestly, in those hard days, it can feel like nothing is going right. And my top tip then is to make sure you do it at the very end of your day. So I find, well, if I do it at 10 o'clock at night, well, hopefully at least I've got some successes from the rest of my life, even if my work day has really felt that hard and then again that just makes you feel a bit more optimistic the next day than you did the day before so that's how I use it we also use this as a team because I do think confidence and self-belief is often seen through the lens of individuals how can I be more confident how can I build my belief and that's really important but I also think we can help each other to have collective confidence so for example the one thing that we do commit to every week is every Friday we do win of the week so we have an all company channel on teams for amazing if and on a Friday someone will just head into there and I hope you know it usually tends to be one of the first things that we all do on a Friday and we just say win of the week and everyone just shares what their win of the week has been again sometimes that's more of a personal thing sometimes that's more from work but what's so lovely about that is you sort of support and celebrate and shine a spotlight on what's gone well that week and it gives you a real insight again into what's been happening because you don't spend time with everybody and it gives you a bit of a window into people's world and honestly every Friday it gives me a boost and really good momentum reading everybody else's wins of the week. So the fourth skill is network. And we define this, so what is network, what is networking, as people helping people. It is probably the one where the definition really does matter. This is not about how many people that you know, how many connections you've got on LinkedIn. It's people helping people, help being the unlocker here in terms of what we're trying to achieve. Why is this important? Nobody succeeds in their squiggly career by themselves. We all need to have the right people around them. And if you are listening to this and you don't like the word networking, I get it. You know, sometimes we will describe this as creating your career community or think about it as how do you build the relationships that are relevant for you in your career. Let go of the word. If the word is really getting in your way, let go of it. And if you are an introvert like me and the idea of walking into a room full of hundreds of people is terrifying, which I also very much understand. Again, I think that is quite a ladder-like view of what networking looks like. Some of my best networks exist on WhatsApp. Some of the best relationships I've had have been one-to-one. So I think what's really important about this is figuring out how to do this in a way that works for you whilst not giving yourself the excuse that you can ignore this. Oh, like this is this is not for me because I think your career will be more vulnerable and you will be more kind of vulnerable if you don't spend some time on this. But equally, and I know from experience, if you try to do this in a way that doesn't work for you, 
you just won't do it either. So we've got to figure out what people helping people looks and feels like for you. And we find the four C's, we've got a four C framework we're going to talk you through, is a really helpful way for you to get started to think about how could you help other people? Because we know that when you help other people, usually it feels more rewarding than maybe starting with what you're hoping to gain. So starting with giving rather than gaining usually feels more natural. But also the more you give, the more you gain. So this all, we did an episode previously on creating career karma. So we think this all creates career karma. So we'll talk through these four C's. And as you're listening, perhaps think about which one of these could you do more of or could you start doing, which feels most comfortable for you. So the first C is consumer. So this is really thinking about what you gain along the way. So it could be knowledge, experience, learning. And how could you give that to other people? It could be one person who you work with. It could be your team. It could be a network that you're part of. And here, my watch out to make sure that you don't cheat, because I used to do this and think that I was kind of networking in inverted commas and definitely wasn't, is if you're just learning and keeping it to yourself, that's absolutely fine. But that is learning for you. You're not people helping people. You're just sort of you helping yourself. And so (laughs) a great example is I went to an event with Jen Moss on burnout last week because Jen's been on our podcast. She was in London over from Canada and I was like, oh, brilliant. Great chance to sort of meet her in person and listen to a topic that I'm, I'm really interested in. And I've not done anything with what I learned that evening. So that doesn't count as being a consumer. I learned, I've just not shared it or given it to anyone else. But if I do, or if I had done that, that would be a really good example of me taking something that I'd consumed and then gone, well, how could this be helpful for other people? That might have been a LinkedIn post. That could have been as simple as sharing three things that I learned this evening with our amazing IF team. That would have been a really good example of doing that. The second C is contributor. So this is really actively considering What have you got to give? Who are you going to give it to? And how are you going to give it? We all have something to contribute. So you might be listening to this thinking, I've got nothing to give. You might give your passion. You could give your optimism. You could give your time. You could give a really specific technical skill that you might have. Maybe you're an absolute whiz kid on Excel formulas. Everybody has something to give. We just sometimes have to figure out what is that thing that you want to give and then who is the group of people that you that would really benefit from it? This was a really big unlocker for me in terms of people helping people and finding a way to network that worked for me. And when I figured out what I could give was an enthusiasm and passion for career development. I wouldn't say it was expertise at that time. It was much more enthusiasm than expertise. And then I could actually give my time as well, because at that moment, I, I got time sort of outside of work to volunteer and bring people together. It's when I started creating career development experiences for groups of people to come together who wanted to invest in their career, sort of outside of the day job. So it was typically evenings, you know, whether it was workshops or a cohort of people coming together to learn a bit from me and then a bit from some other people. I figured out I could make that happen. And That for me suddenly meant that I increased my connections, my career community. I felt like I was being really helpful and it never felt like hard work. You know that point about helpful versus hard work? Until that point, networking always felt like really hard work, something I felt I should do. When I figured out what I'd got to give, suddenly I felt helpful and it was unbelievably even the thing that I often most looked forward to. So the the chance to bring people together to increase their self-awareness about careers to spend some time thinking about their strengths or where they wanted their career to take them for me was the highlight of my week so suddenly this idea of network became a really positive thing for me the third c is connector so this is where you've got good connections and you don't keep those connections to yourself you're generous with those connections so that's just thinking about who could i connect to who in a way that would be useful. So I know that Helen is really passionate about being an expert in career development. Who else do I know who's really developed their expertise in a certain area? Could I connect those two people together? It's sort of thinking, well, who do I know? And then doing that yes and. I know those people, I'm going to make that introduction. I'm going to bring people together. And the fourth C is creator. If a network doesn't exist that you want to be part of, start one. 
You don't need to put loads of pressure or expectation on yourself for what that has to look like or where that has to go. It can be two people. It could be on WhatsApp. It could be on LinkedIn. You can just make things happen for yourself. And it's a brilliant way to bring people together. I've done lots of creating in terms of networks. And again, it works really well for me because I can sort of design it in a way that works for me. I really enjoy bringing people with different skills and expertise together. So just think about those four C's, consumer, contributor, connector, creator, and just think, would one of those help me in terms of people helping people and to really start creating a career community that's going to help me to squiggle with success? And then the fifth and final squiggly skill is all about you and your career possibilities. So this is about being curious and creating, not waiting when it comes to your career. The ladder-like approach is to sort of do your job, work really hard, do it well, and then decide you want to do something different <laughs> and then apply for a job. And it's sort of like, it's sort of, I don't know, it's sort of, it's very sort of stop-start, I think, in terms of how you think about your career future. You might write a plan that predicts what you're going to do over the next 10 years, and then you put it away in a drawer and bring it out when you decide you want to do something different but the problem is the opportunities might not be there for you you've not necessarily got curious about your career to decide if it's something you really want to do that kind of just apply for a job when you decide you want to do something different is a really ladder-like way of managing your career development and we want to increase your options increase your opportunities and being proactively curious about your career possibilities is the way that you do that. And the reason why, like why bother getting proactive about your career possibilities, I think you just, you benefit more from a squiggly career. You know, squiggly careers mean you can develop in different directions. You don't have to be defined by the last job that you did, but you have to sort of put yourself beyond the world of work that you're in today to see what that could be for you. And that's why we're trying to unlock this career possibility. I think lots of the time people sort of get blinkered by the world of work that they're in and they can't really see beyond it or they put their own barriers and assumptions around what they could and couldn't do and getting curious I think it helps to sort of get over those hurdles that we've often created for ourselves in our careers and see what's beyond and that's why so the idea for action here is to start having regular curious career conversations and your agenda for a curious career conversation is just to find out more about somebody else's world of work and what we're trying to do is work out is this a world of work that is interesting for you could it be a possibility that you want to explore further in the future now this can sound quite daunting because we're basically saying go talk to somebody that you don't necessarily work with on a day-to-day basis and find out more about their work as an extrovert i'm like yes brilliant can't wait (laughs) if you're an introvert i was on a session with someone yesterday and they were like helen this sounds really scary and i get it because you might be thinking oh you know what do i talk to that person about we have got a bit of a squiggly script that is useful for a start starting point for these conversations and I find this a really a really good way to make sure that you're learning you're staying curious in the conversation but you're not sort of distracted by what am I supposed to say so three things that are useful for your sort of squiggly starter script for a curious career conversation number one ask somebody about what a day in their work life looks like that is quite easy for somebody else to respond to and people quite like talking about themselves and their work so it's it's a good sort of warm-up question and what you can have in the back of your mind is does a day in that person's work life sound like a day that I would like to do? And you don't have to say anything to them. You don't have to be like, oh, that sounds amazing. I want your job. Or that sounds horrendous. You can keep it. Like, you don't have to share. <laughs> yeah, no thanks. <laughs> no thanks. No thanks. Good luck. Uh, that is, you know, personal reflections. But it's a useful way of you gaining some insight quite subtly about sort of different worlds of work that might be beyond the one that you're in today. So I always ask that question first. The second is I would try to explore something around strengths and values because essentially whatever you're doing in the future, you want to make sure that those roles need what you want to be known for. So that's the strengths and that the things that motivate and drive you are going to be possible in that particular role or team. So I would say to somebody, you know, what are the strengths that you use regularly in your role or what is it that really motivates you about the work that you do? And again, you're listening for clues are the words that they play back similar to your strengths, similar to your values, or are they very separate and distinct and different? Because if they are, then it, 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 it might be a good job for that person, but it might not be a brilliant possibility for you. And again, it's totally fine to come to that conclusion. We're not applying for jobs. We're just getting curious about our career. 
And then the last question that I would ask, particularly if I've started to go, oh, this day sounds interesting and this could be a good fit for me, is I ask around development. I would say to somebody, if this was an area that I was interested in exploring more in the future, is there any experience or expertise that you think it would be useful for me to have? Because that insight is what helps you to future-proof yourself. Because if they say, oh yeah, it's really good if you get some experience of managing a team or having you know um, budget management experience or whatever it is, um, then you can think, okay, well, what can I do in the work that I do today that would help me to get more of that? So that if I do go for that role in the future, I can talk to them about the experience I've already got that's relevant for it. And so what we'll do, we'll um, we'll create a little squiggly script, we'll put this in the pod sheet and maybe we'll create a little social media asset or something so you can get a quick, a quick view of this squiggly script. But they are three questions that can really get you started in a curious career conversation. I often ask people in workshops for examples like what questions could you ask and some of them are just brilliant I love the ones where people get quite spiky you know what do you find really frustrating or what do you love and what do you loathe yeah what would you take away from your job or what would you stop doing if you could wave a magic wand and I think you can actually have depending on how well you know the person obviously you can have quite a lot of fun with this because I think I'd love someone to ask me those kind of questions about what I do I think that's really interesting and I think just remember as an introvert Curious career conversations can feel daunting to ask for, but people really enjoy helping other people. It gives us what we call the kind of helpers high, and it's really flattering to be asked to share your experiences. So as an introvert, I set myself the goal of one curious career conversation every month. Sometimes that might be someone who's asked me, sometimes that might be me asking someone else. But I think if I do one a month, after a year, I would have spoken to 12 people and had a different kind of conversation to my day-to-day job and day-to-day work and you never quite know I think where those connections can take you it doesn't mean you're necessarily going to go and do all of those jobs but my other top tip for those conversations is always finish them especially if you're like me an introvert with that's been so helpful yeah thank you um do you know anyone else who you think it would be helpful for me to talk to and so many times eight or nine out of ten times people finish that and go yes and oh yeah, you should speak to Tom. He's he's really helpful. Oh, do you want me to introduce you? And I just think, yes, please. Because suddenly that's my next curious career conversation and I've not had to sort of do a cold outreach. It just feels much easier for me to, to take that approach. So I always love finishing my conversations in that way. I've had an idea that I'm going to put you on the spot for um, (laughs) that that all of our listeners can now hear. Um, I was thinking, why don't we, so that people can practice asking some questions, why don't we do a LinkedIn Live where people can have a curious career conversation with us so they can ask us questions about us our careers whatever they want and they can sort of practice in a relatively safe space putting these questions to us knowing that like we'll hopefully be able to answer them for so if listeners if you think that is a good idea maybe email us and we're helen and sarah at squigglycareers.com and if we get i don't know enough of responses what's enough sarah 10 i don't know i'd think i'd be be flattered if anyone was interested to be honest (laughs) so let us know and then we can do a linkedin live and then um, people you can just join and practice practice your skills with us in in a safe environment So don't forget you've got the pod sheet, which is a brilliant one-page summary. So if you want to get everything in one place for the podcast, so the pod notes and the pod sheets, if you sign up for Podmail, which you'll find on our website, we will every week just send you that. So you've sort of got uh, everything in one place. We make it really easy, all free, all the resources that we create. That's probably your go-to place. And you can always find us on LinkedIn. We're at Amazing If. And you can email us, Helen and Sarah at squigglycareers.com if you ever get a bit stuck or you've got ideas for other episodes or you just need our help with something so thank you so much for listening to us and our five squiggly skills and we'll be back with you again very soon bye for now everyone thanks for listening everyone bye for now hey y'all Darius rucker here you know a lot of people ask me what inspires your music And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. 